0: Have you ever felt that you were drowning in trouble? Well, King David put it this way in Psalm 69. Save me, O God, for the waters are up to my neck. The Bible says that the people who know God, those who have a personal relationship with Him, will be strong and take action. So how can you be rescued from that sense of being drowned by the world? One answer is found in that same Psalm 69 where David declared that part of his seeking God's help was to discover the spiritual aspect of fasting. Now, fasting may seem like a passive activity, but it's a decision that adds an element of power to our prayers. Jesus said that his followers would fast after he ascended to heaven. You may ask, if salvation is a free gift from Jesus, and it surely is, then why is fasting ever necessary? But as our situations are becoming more intense consider using the weapon of fasting to add to our prayers. Shalom, I'm Christine Darn. Our generation has become very soft with what are known as seeker-friendly churches, a cup of tea and donuts in between Sunday school and the main worship service, coffee houses as part of the church premises, and so forth. Fasting, whoever heard a popular preacher teach about it? Very much, if at all. But fasting among believers will always be necessary from time to time because Jesus said so. In fact, he said his disciples would fast, In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus gave us these instructions. He said, when you fast, don't look like the hypocrites, all somber because they disfigure their faces to show people that they're fasting. I tell you the truth, he said, they have already received their reward. But you, Jesus said, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. In other words, look fresh so that your fasting may be seen in secret by your Father, and so that your Father in Heaven will take note of it, and He will reward you openly for having fasted in secret. Now, of course, according to the broadcasting regulations, I have to make a disclaimer and tell you that you should consult your doctor before beginning a prolonged fast. I'm simply here to encourage you that the spiritual aspects of fasting are important. And fasting can be practiced on various levels without having to go to extremes, depending upon your strength, health, and physical constitution. The Apostle Paul must have been blessed with an extremely strong constitution because he lived continually in spiritual warfare. He was flogged often, shipwrecked, and he was often exposed to the elements in frequent travel. Yet, along with prayer vigils, Paul testified that he engaged in frequent fastings. This is because prayer and fasting go hand in hand to accomplish exploits for God. Clearly, Jesus said his disciples would fast in his absence. We know this because one day the disciples of John the Baptist approached Jesus to ask a question. Why do we and the Jewish leaders fast often? But your disciples don't fast. And Jesus answered, Can the friends of the bridegroom mourn while the bridegroom is with them? But he said the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away. And then in those days they will fast. And so we're in those days, the season between the Lord's first and second comings. When fasting is an appropriate activity, And part of spiritual warfare is led by the Holy Spirit until Jesus returns. Now, unchurched people may fast for various worldly reasons, for their health, for dieting. Others go on a fast in an effort to gain discipline and self-control. But those are not the reasons believers should fast. The Bible teaches that fasting is part of our service to God. Believers also fast to intensify our call for divine help. For example, in the Hebrew Bible, Israel fasted in times of war or when they were threatened by war. And there's such a thing as a one-day so-called David fast that lasts until the evening. And that's recorded in 2 Samuel chapter 1 in verse 12. The fast occurred when David and his men learned of the deaths of King Saul and Jonathan. It says they mourned and wept and fasted until evening for Saul and his son Jonathan and for the people of the Lord and the house of Israel because they had fallen by the sword. This sorrow of David and his men shows how true their hearts were to their country because the calamity had involved irreparable loss Personally, David had lost his best friend, Jonathan, and even Saul had a place in David's heart because at one point David had been Saul's trusty warrior and Saul had been used by God in the beginning to promote David to fame. So David's fasting and weeping over the fall of his implacable enemy can be compared with great David's greater son, Jesus, Yeshua, when he wept over Jerusalem knowing what his enemies in the holy city would do to him and knowing that Jerusalem would miss its time of visitation by Messiah as prophesied by the prophet Daniel. You see sorrow and a burdened heart are evidences of genuine love. David's disposition was forgiving towards his enemy and he was certainly faithful towards his friend, Jonathan Saul's son. Furthermore, He mourned for how the calamity would affect his country, and in particular, how it would affect the people of God. And are these not the same reasons why we fast when we see our nations in such trouble? We are burdened not only for the future of our own children and grandchildren, but we are burdened for the nation itself and for the beleaguered people of the Lord who live in our nations. Well, in the Bible, prophets fasted when seeking guidance or God's forgiveness or His protection. And all these acts are recorded in the books of heaven. Jesus Himself fasted for 40 days to fortify Himself against strong temptations. And if He knew He had to do this, how much more are we, His followers, in need of fortification through fastings? But I have to say here that the disciple is certainly not above the master. It's disturbing to me how some believers are always seemingly on a 40-day fast and they want to tell you about it when even Jesus wasn't required to fast continually. The early church fasted before sending out missionaries or when appointing leaders. And when done with a proper heart attitude, fasting serves to humble and chasten the soul. We see in Psalm 35, verse 13, David declared, I humbled and afflicted myself with fasting. All God's faithful children, under every dispensation, have observed the same rule. The prayers of a humble person are more likely to be answered because the Bible teaches that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. In a dream during a fast during the 1970s, the Lord solemnly showed me that I must stand with the Jewish people when all the world turns anti-Semitic again against them. I know this is the hour for all Christians who love the Bible and who love our elder Jewish brothers to practice what we believe in deed and in truth. So from time to time, we need to tell our Jewish brethren when they are tired, beleaguered, and harassed that we Christians who hear the call of the Spirit will do the work of fasting on their behalf to strengthen them as a cry to God and also in a spirit of penance due to all the times the church in the past turned a deaf ear to the Jews and failed to come to their aid throughout history. We say to the Jews and to Israel, this time we identify with you and share the weight of your burdens. We will fast and pray with you. Now, in the Hebrew scripture in Joel 1.14, it says, Sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly, and cry unto the Lord. And in the next chapter 2 of Joel, verse 15, please notice that revival falls after a call for prayer and fasting. That verse says, Blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out My spirit, God says, upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Derek Prince, one of our mentors in Jerusalem, in his excellent book, Shaping History Through Prayer and Fasting, said something I'll never have forgotten. And he said, there are certain answers to prayer that will never happen without adding fasting to our prayers. Another of my favorite books on the topic is an excellent manual, and it's called God's Chosen Fast by author Wallace. And in that manual, he lists three types of fasts. Number one, a crisis fast. Secondly, a fast for revelation. And thirdly, a fast for dominion. So let's examine first a crisis fast. An example in the Bible is the three-day so-called Esther fast, Queen Esther called for the saving of the Jewish nation during a total three-day fast, and the result was that the Jews were saved from extermination. Queen Esther and her uncle Mordecai's great victory is celebrated during the annual festival of Purim. The apostle Paul also experienced a crisis fast when he didn't eat or drink for three days. He had been the number one persecutor of the early church but he was temporarily blinded after a dramatic encounter with the risen Lord on the road to Damascus. And the result, Paul humbled himself and chastened his soul with fasting. And three days later, he was visited by a man of God in Damascus, resulting in his water baptism and a powerful prophetic word concerning Paul's life work as God's chosen vessel. I can testify that when I called on God during a crisis fast, he saved a family member and turned around the direction of his life. The second type of fast is to receive revelation and guidance, such as the prophet Daniel's partial fast that lasted for 21 days. As a result of his prayers and fasting, Daniel was told pivotal events to come in the history of Israel and the world. In fact, I believe perhaps the greatest prophecies in the Bible concerning Messiah's first and second comings are recorded because Daniel prayed and denied himself pleasant bread, meat, and wine. So the angel Gabriel visited Daniel and told him many far-reaching, long-range prophecies. I also can testify that I received a revelation concerning my call to the nation of Israel during a Daniel fast. Now the third type of fast mentioned in Arthur Wallace's manual is for dominion, and dominion means the exercise of authority, and fasting as service unto the Lord definitely brings an increase in authority. For example, a dominion fast would be a profit-length 40-day fast, which requires a definite leaning of God, of course, to accomplish. To receive dominion or a gained place in God, I believe, however, it may not always necessitate a 40-day fast, but rather the length of time that the Lord impresses upon your spirit. For example, John Lake, an apostle to Africa, said he gained dominion over demons with increased authoritative commands after he was led to fast for six days. While both a 21-day and a 40-day fast are profit-linked fasts that should only be entered into under the leading and direction of the Holy Spirit. But in my estimation a three-day total fast, which I call an Esther fast, as documented in the book of Esther, is also a very intense and effective profit-linked fast. Potentially an Esther fast can bring about a change in the destiny of an entire people group, as was the case when the Jews were being threatened with the holocaust in the Persian Empire. In fact, let's look at Esther chapter 4 in verse 16 and what Queen Esther proposed to her uncle Mordechai when she learned that the Jews were about to be destroyed. Because her Jewish identity was a secret, Esther knew she couldn't save her nation without the Lord's help and strategy. So she said to Mordechai, gather together all the Jews and fast for me, neither eat nor drink for three days, day or night. I and my handmaidens also will fast, and then I will go in unto the king. And she said, if I perish, I perish. And the strategy worked. The king listened to Esther, and the madman Haman, who was trying to destroy the Jews, was hanged on his own gallows that he had constructed for Mordecai. So an Esther fast can be used for desperate emergency situations because it's shorter in duration than longer prophet-linked fasts. If God has appointed you as a watchman in your family or locality and you desire to accomplish an Esther fast, be sure that it is the Holy Spirit who is leading you. When God is leading, the fast will be possible, doable, even during the summertime when normally your desire for fluids is greater. The first extra fast that I was led to accomplish was, in fact, during the month of August. It was very warm, but I don't recall being overwhelmingly thirsty because God had led me into it. He led me on that fast for a family emergency, and we received a tremendous answer to prayer. God intervened after that extra fast. Hallelujah! Well, I believe every believer should be enrolled in the Holy Spirit School of Fasting. Many watchmen on the walls have accepted the scriptural discipline of fasting. For example, John Wesley, a great man of God in Britain's history, practiced fasting every week. For a portion of Wesley's ministry, he advocated fasting on both Wednesday and Friday each week as a spiritual discipline. And Wesley wouldn't ordain anyone who was unwilling to fast on those days. But as time passed, he advocated Friday fasting, according to the Anglican rule. Wesley usually began a Friday fast at sundown on Thursday, and that was the Jewish and early church tradition, which marked the beginning of the day at sundown, not midnight. Wesley typically ended his fast at 3 p.m. on Friday. Well, it's interesting to me that when I've taught on fasting and prayer during the ministry times, I've been surprised by the number of believers who have come forward for prayer to believe God for the power to fast for the first time. Many admit that they've never been able to fast even once in their lives. Some have never been challenged by their pastors to fast. But the strong believer who accomplishes exploits for God is familiar with fasting. As led by the Holy Spirit, fasting is a gift or empowerment of the Holy Spirit in which we may grow from strength to strength and even from victory to victory. But I'm leery and embarrassed by believers who call attention to themselves by announcing that they're on a fast. Fasting is an activity that must not be boasted about, and the Lord has made himself very clear of that. Remember, if you've just joined the program, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verses 17 to 18, When you fast, anoint your head, wash your face. Don't appear to be fasting, but only unto your Father in secret. And when you fast unto your Father who sees in secret, He will reward you openly. If you've never fasted, you may reluctantly and even fearfully decide to forego a meal But you'll soon discover that you can actually live through an entire day without food. Then you will learn to fast two days, even several days. One of my African mentors put it like this. You'll learn to go a whole day without food or water, and then you'll learn to go two days. There must be progress made. Three days without food. Later still, perhaps the Lord will lead you on a seven-day juice fast, and perhaps later you will be led to accomplish in the Lord's strength. A profit-length 21-day Daniel fast of liquids and certain foods, or at the Holy Spirit's leading, a profit-length 40-day fast. But you have to start somewhere and learn to build up your strength if you intend to do longer fast. Just as a marathon runner doesn't run a marathon the first time. Perhaps for medical reasons, your doctor advises that you simply cannot attempt a prolonged fast. Yet you feel the burden of the Lord concerning your nation, your family, your job situation, your marriage, or a thousand other possible concerns, and you sense an urgency to fast. So if the doctor says for medical reasons you shouldn't go on a total fast, surely there are indulgences, delicacies, or preferences in your daily eating and fluid habits that you can deny yourself, and the Lord will honor the intent of your heart. And here's what I mean by eliminating delicacies. In the book of Daniel, chapter 10, in verses 2 to 3, it says, In those days I, Daniel, was mourning full three weeks. I ate no pleasant bread, neither meat nor wine. Now, the Hebrew word in this text for pleasant bread is from a root word meaning to delight in. So there are various ways the Bible translates this word as delectable things, pleasant things, or even lust. So for medical reasons, you may not be able to forego your necessary food. But during a season of prayer, there is nothing to stop you from eliminating foods that you especially enjoy. Or you might cut down on your portions as a means of a partial fast. The Lord is not uh, so legalistic on this. He will lead you And the Lord who sees everything in secret will reward you openly. We face this reality of self-denial because our bridegroom said, while he's away, it's time to fast. And when he returns for us, then it will be time to feast at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And by the way, don't confuse fasting with dieting. They are not the same thing. Genuinely burdened ministers, believers, and watchmen will fast not just a meal, but will be led by the Holy Spirit to endure what I call prophet-linked fasts, because some satanic strongholds will not yield to anything superficial. I believe in this hour that the Lord is calling His people to corporate ester fasts, relay fast. by that I mean taking turns fasting like a relay race on a calendar, all of this to believe for the irreversible overthrow of satanic strongholds. If principalities are overthrown, then we'll see the full ingathering of souls in the last day's revival. So we have our work cut out for us to set the captives free in prayer and fasting. Fasting has been called a short-term season for a long-term result. And fasting sharpens us spiritually, just as an axe or a knife can become dull, so we can become dull spiritually. Not only did Jesus say that His disciples would fast individually, but we also have examples in the Bible of the church fasting and praying together. In Acts chapter 13, the brethren at Antioch fasted as part of their service and worship to the Lord as they commissioned Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey. Indeed, fasting should be a part of beginning a work of the Lord and certainly before going on a potentially dangerous missionary journey. I and my team have always prayed and fasted beforehand. For example, a group that accompanied me into the nation of Iran were all required to accomplish an extra fast before the assignment. Likewise, every intercessor who accompanied me into Iraq and even certain assignments in Israel and Egypt were required to fast beforehand. Interestingly, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, the Apostle Paul listed fasting as among his exploits that proved he was a genuine minister of Messiah, Yeshua. Are we not commanded to imitate Paul even as he imitated the Messiah? Moses in the Hebrew Bible, Jesus and Paul in the New Testament all fasted in their service to God. At the very least, we can say, unless they're a very definite medical reasons not to fast, we have very good examples to motivate us to utilize fasting in our service to the Lord and as a weapon of spiritual warfare. And here are a few further thoughts. First of all, we must be sure we're being led by the Holy Spirit and that we're not just trying to diet. Fast only when the occasion is serious, one in which you desperately need God's help. And we have to ask ourselves honestly, will I be ministering to the Lord during this fast? You see, in the church at Antioch, when the prophets and teachers in Acts thirteen two got together to pray, it notes that they ministered to the Lord as they fasted. And the Holy Spirit said, separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. That verb ministered to the Lord is also equally translated as while they were worshiping the Lord. So fasting is therefore part of our worship. So remember the purposes for fasting are part of our worship, as well as to humble ourselves in God's sight and to seek a favorable answer to an urgent prayer request. Now concerning how to break a fast. In the Bible we have an incident in 1 Samuel chapter 30. An Egyptian was found in the field who had not eaten bread nor had any water for three days and three nights. He was brought to David and given bread and water, and they also gave him a piece of a cake of figs and two clusters of raisins, and when he had eaten, his spirit came back to him again. Medical experts warn that any fast longer than three days must be broken carefully to eat slowly in small amounts and to be sure that you're hydrated. Well, now, in conclusion, I hope the study has been enough to stimulate your thinking on a subject that's often neglected in practice. As with any subject, the Word of God is the last word, and I hope that this program has shed some light on what God's Word says on fasting. Today, I want to leave you with one of the Bible's great verses on the power of fasting found in Isaiah chapter 58 and verse 6. Is this not the fast that I have chosen to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens and to let the oppressed go free and that you break every yoke? Amen. That's the word of the Lord. Well, there's lots more to share with you at our website, exploits.tv, which brings you news on current and end time events relating to the church and also to the nation of Israel. And at our website in Jerusalem Channel YouTube site, we offer you a free library of videos. We call the website in our ministry Exploits, based upon Daniel 11.32, declaring that the people who know their God will be strong, not weak, and will accomplish exploits, meaning we're going to do the works of the Lord before His imminent return. Please feel free to share your thoughts with me on social media, and don't forget to download our free Jerusalem Channel mobile app so that you can enjoy our programs at any time on your phones or tablets. Well, until next time, I'm Christine Darg, always contending for the faith and praying earnestly for the peace of Jerusalem, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Maranatha, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Shalom.